hey, this is a future of what single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what. We're talking to Kevin Erickson of the Future of Music Coalition. Kevin, welcome to the Future of What? Thank you so much for having me. So we are having you today because you wrote a blog posting on the Future of Music Coalition's website, futureofmusic.org, about what musicians can expect under this forthcoming Trump administration. And I think this is a really important topic for our listeners because... As you point out in your blog posting, we kind of don't know a lot about what Trump's policy on on a lot of things are going to be, but we know that there are certain areas that we should really be concerned with. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, this election was unlike any that I've seen in my lifetime in so many ways. You know, it was the, the first time we saw a presidential candidate make these kinds of explicit appeals to white supremacy. <laughs> That's just little tiny matter of, yeah, that that's that's new. But another thing that was sort of unique about it was how little the campaign seemed to hinge on policy questions. And because I think almost everybody in D.C. expected a different outcome, there weren't a lot of contingency plans made around what a Trump administration would look like in terms of policy on the the broad range of issues that impact musicians. And so it seems like everybody I talk to, whether it's music folks or technology policy folks or media reformers, everybody's sort of in the same place of trying to construct, if not a a concrete understanding of what it's going to look like, sort of to set our expectations and know what we can be ready for and know what we're going to have to organize around in 2017 and beyond. But beyond beyond those sort of concrete policy issues, and there are a number of them that we care a great deal about, access to health care and health insurance, net neutrality, whatever the impacts might be on copyright, modernization, on federal support for the arts, a whole range of things. What I say in the piece is that our greatest concern goes beyond any specific piece of legislation, and that we're just worried about our fellow citizens. We're horrified by this rise in hate crimes that we've seen over the last year by the normalization of misogynistic language. We're worried about civil liberties. We're worried about basic respect for people of color, for immigrants, for the disabled, for LGBT folks. And in terms of the artist community specifically, we're really worried about a future where artists who aren't aligned with privilege and power may not feel free to raise their voices. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important at this moment before the Trump administration is actually in office to have some really frank discussions internally in the music community about what we can do to defend each other. And and so, you know, I'm excited by some of the things that I see happening by the, the way that organically artists and independent labels have been using their platforms to elevate the voices of some of those communities that could be particularly endangered or harmed to help bolster the kind of organizations that are working on these kinds of issues to be resourced and to be ready to go right out of the gate in January. Because this stuff is important because music is not just about the business. It's not just about entertainment. It's, it's about a whole lot more than that. I also think that music is often a source of strength to people who are protesting. You know, I remember my dad saying to me years and years and years ago, 
what is this rap music all about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, well, gee, dad, that's, you know, there's a lot of answers to that. And he's like, well, what, you know, what is it these black people are upset about? And I'm like, well, there's a lot to be upset about if you're black in America. And, you know, music is one way of protest. Like there've always been protest songs. Every oppressed group has sung protest songs. And I think that's an important thing to remember and something that independent labels can do right now is continue to help make those voices heard, especially in a time when we're really afraid that a lot of those voices are going to be silenced in a way that we haven't seen before, at least not, you know, in 150 years or something. <laughs> it's so horrible. I'm laughing because it's so horrible. Well, yeah. And, and, and to take a global perspective, too, you don't have to look that far back. Our friend Ian David Moss, who is a arts writer and researcher, has a blog called uh, Create Equity. He wrote something really interesting, sort of laying out well, what he says, I guess, is that if Donald Trump wants a playbook for bending the democratic institutions of the United States to his will, he has a bunch of recent examples from which to draw. And he goes down this list as, you know, here's what's going on in Russia and in Turkey and Hungary and in Israel. And in each of the examples that he documents ways that the arts, artists and media are among the first to be singled out when an authoritarian government seeks to impose itself on the people. So some of these arguments, you know, when Trump is going after Hamilton or Saturday Night Live or, or other kinds of free expression issues, People have said that these things are a distraction from the actual policy making, and that we should be focused squarely on what his policy plans are going to be. And from my perspective, I don't think you can really separate the two. Like the the, the attacks on artists and artists' ability to express themselves in the way that they see fit are as central to the idea of freedom. <laughs> As, as policy is, I think that you can draw a pretty straight line. And we have evidence from all around the world, I guess, at this point, that that's the case, that there's attacking artists who are raising their voices is one of the first things that happens. Yeah. And you can say the way has been paved for this for years with Republicans cutting funding to arts programs in schools across America. You know, I mean, the, this isn't like a brand new thing. Right, right. We have always worked on a bipartisan basis at Future Music Coalition. We've always been able to find people on both sides of the aisle that are responsive to these arguments, that are, that are able to see the value and support from, for the arts, regardless of what their party is. But there is a point at which the dynamics with this administration is about and how that might differ from any Republican administration that we've seen before. Like, this starts to become real, real vivid. Mm hmm Absolutely. So, and one of the opportunities there is to sort of use some of the, you know, one of the reasons that it's important to be, develop a capacity. You know, this is not something that has come naturally to me. I, I approach this work is fine for me to be candid about it. I'm a like lefty progressive that grew up with indie rock and that's been formative for like my personal politics and my values. But it's been really like helpful for me to learn how to talk to effectively with Republicans and find common ground with Republicans in Congress, even though we might disagree on a whole range of things. And that's allowed us to get get things done in a way that's genuinely like finding common ground. You know, like an example that we always point to is like getting Sam Brownback, the extremely conservative senator from Kansas, to get on board with the idea of the local community radio act and become a big supporter of community radio. 
and despite not having a lot of common ground with him on a whole range of social issues, understanding that there is mutual benefit in creating infrastructure around media and letting local communities elevate the voice of their communities. You can do that and you can find that kind of common ground. And and so this is sort of a point where like working effectively with people on, in both parties of Congress. So if we do run into problems with this administration around the freedom of expression, we can get pushed back and, and, and try to hold the administration accountable using relationships in Congress from both parties. Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal. Did you like what you heard? Then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening. That was Another Genius Idea from Our Government by Erase Arata.